0: I'm Evelyn Santoro and thank you for joining us on Talking Independence. Joining me today is Adam Spencer, comedian, writer, presenter and author. We all know him from Triple J, Good Newsweek and The Drum, but he's also part of the National Committee of the Australian Republic Movement. Welcome, Adam.
1: Lovely to be here, Evelyn. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: It's great to chat to you. Look, there are a few things I wanted to ask you, but first tell us how how did you get involved with the ARM?
1: Uh, it's an issue that it's one of those things that if you'd ever asked me in the last 20 years, I would have thought, yeah, yeah, straight should be a republic. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't until uh, someone reached out to me and told me there were elections coming up for the committee and this is the sort of thing I think I could make a contribution to, that I had a bit of a look inside myself and thought, yeah, to be honest, you probably could help out a little bit. And it, it just did suddenly feel like time. And this was predating the passing of uh, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth the It mm-hmm. just felt like time. And after her passing in an appropriate period of uh, reflection, um, I felt, as I feel a lot of people do, then just this real momentum for, yeah, look, if if not now, when? So mm-hmm. it's a, it's a position I've held intellectually or philosophically for a long time. But I've only developed a degree of yeah come on, let's do something about this uh in in the in the last little while and I'm hoping that's a a, a similar sort of momentum that a lot of people who if they really had over the last 20 years been forced to take a position on this probably would come down on the side of yeah okay, I'll take a republic but they don't that, that, it doesn't burn in them yet like a fire i'm hoping yeah. i'm I'm hoping that becomes a much more common you know, feeling amongst people over the next year or three.
0: You've toured the country many times. You've spoken to Australians across different towns and cities. Um, can you tell us if these experiences shaped your Republic views or did this aspect always remain separate from your comedic career?
1: Yeah, I don't, yes, I don't think I've, I haven't really come to this position from anyone else exposing me to it. I think the mm. moment I've taken some time to think about it, it's, it's, it's gelled that way in my mind. Now, I'm quite happy to play the role, if I can, of being a catalyst for other people. I'm not going to tell people what to think, but I'm quite happy to have discussions with people and, and just throw a few points in there and let them make their own decision. And I think you know, I'm, I'm inherently biased on this.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: if, you, if you lay out the pros and cons, for me, I think it's a compelling argument. Now, I know there's some people for whom it's a 50-50. There's some people for whom you'll never be able to talk around to our side. Of the, of the fence, and that's the way it goes. But I, I'm hoping that for a lot of Australians, if they do take a moment to put this towards top of mind and think about it, the arguments are reasonably compelling. I never really needed anyone to make any of those arguments for me. Um, there are many other things I've got opinions on that, that have been shaped by just meeting ordinary people who have a lived experience different to mine or have mm-hmm. thought about something or are more qualified in some area than I am. Uh, I got married at the beginning of last year, and uh, my wonderful, amazing wife has shaped many opinions that I probably should have arrived at before I was in my early fifties. Uh, so I'm not I'm not afraid to change my mind and learn. But this one for me has all has been a process of self discovery, probably more than uh, being educated by others.
0: So, and the interesting thing is. Um... You're a fantastic debater. You're a mathematician and absolute whiz, and you've written quite a few books on the subject, so you're very passionate about that. And uh, I came to learn that you're an excellent debater as well. So you're in the perfect position. Do you ha- you have that rational brain which inspires? Do you find that side of you spills will will then spill into this political realm? Do you think?
1: Yes. Yeah. Because for me, this is this is in, in fact. I mean. By, by definition it's going to be a political process it's it's calling for a change to the constitution i don't really feel this is as much of a political question
0: mm-hmm. as
1: as some questions that people might be asked to think about there is a process of politics and and, and, a, and a president or a governor general or a king charles are in some ways by definition political positions because they have a role in approving laws and things like this but for me, it's it's more a question of, of identity and of how yes. Australia sees itself. And for me, that is just an intellectual and, and, and logical exercise, but one that does also touch on just human passions and feelings. For me, the thing that, that most gets people to ooh, sit back slightly is when you point out, um, you know, whatever you think of the, the, the man, uh, King Charles is not King Charles of England who through some bizarre historical anachronism happens to have a role in our constitutional affairs. He is King Charles of Australia. Yes. In 2023, Australia has a king. I think I think the majority of Australians would not know that, that, that no. simple point of fact. And if you start from there, and if when you hear, when you look at other countries with monarchies when you look at the UK all out there waving their flags as the golden carriage goes past, you go, that's pretty, that's cute. Good luck, good luck to them. Right. No, 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 no. That's our king too. Yeah. So, so yeah. when, when, on, you know, every five years or 10 years or whatever that our head of state deigns to visit and, uh, and, and he goes for a ride in, a, in an open top, you know, Rolls Royce through the city and some people turn up and give flowers and wave flags and that sort of stuff. Um, they're not they're not UK history junkies getting off on seeing some quaint anachronistic that's Australians paying homage to their king yeah now when you start from that point to me that's not a question of politics anymore in any way that's just a question of when like I can understand in 1850 that made sense in 1950 for a lot of people that probably made sense and with during the life of Queen Elizabeth, it was probably something that even if it didn't really make sense, yeah, whatever's you know, you could, be, mm-hmm. you could be comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. for me in 2023 and beyond, Australia having a king, and if we don't do anything about this, I can tell you who, who our next couple of kings are as well. So as I sit here, I can tell you Australia's heads of state for the rest of this century. Yeah. Charles William George. Yeah, it did It, it took me half a second. I can't mm-hmm. quite tell you the timing of it, but that doesn't matter really. But yes. yep. for, for me, that's not even an exercise in politics anymore. And the flip side of that is that I don't think this is an issue. I mean, realistically, uh, you know, if you went if you went for people who do consider themselves politically aligned, you know, realistically, there are some of the minor parties where we'll, we'll probably poll a lot higher than some of the other minor parties but this is not an issue that that cleaves australia in half on political lines this is not and and we're lucky that we're not a country like the united states where there are some issues that will just slice the country in half yes you know know, with a parochialism that that verges on civil war um this will be this will be something where all australians of all different stripes and, and many australians who would not consider themselves at all political all join hands and walk together and go yeah I think we're ready.
0: I think you hit the nail on the head there Adam. For people who are just coming into this um, issue or debate and thinking oh you know I don't I don't really care I'm not into politics when you reframe it in a way where no this isn't about politics it's our national identity that that's when people will sit up and listen and say well that's right does it represent me does it represent actually being Australian.
1: And if I mean if you do want to if you do want to trend into the political waters of it. Some people say to me, oh, look, if it isn't broken, don't fix it. Yes. Yeah. the reality is the the previous prime minister to this one uh, swore himself into multiple secret ministries where even the other ministers in his cabinet didn't know that they were sharing their portfolio with the prime minister in a way that the prime minister probably actually had seniority over them. They probably weren't Mm -hmm. even effectively the minister for X, Y, Z anymore. Uh, yes. and that was an act that the Solicitor-General said, you know, undermined the very fabric of democracy in this country, mm-hmm. and that was uh, agreed to by the Governor-General, who probably, and that's not I, I'm not pointing that as a, a moral failing of the Governor-General, under the current system, probably didn't have any choice because right. the Prime Minister could have just sacked him if he refused to accede to that, you know, quite radical suggestion by the Prime Minister. So if you want to get into the politics of it, it, it it probably is a system that could be improved upon significantly by moving to a model with a president who had a really limited set of spelt out obligations and who, who was beholden first and foremost to Australia and the people of Australia, not to the prime minister of the day who determines their appointment. So if you want to go down the political path, I think the argument's compelling anyway. But you don't need to be a politics junkie or... To, to have any great sense of needing political overhaul in this country to want us to be mature and on the modern stage. And the analogy someone gave for me the other day, which is great, is that you know the vast bulk of teenagers or early 20s or you know, late 20s these days mm-hmm. with your nesters who, who move out of home, aren't moving out because that family unit is dysfunctional and has collapsed and they're leaving an abusive scary relationship they're just going this has been great Mum, dad thanks so much but i'm probably ready to go by myself now yeah you can still come and visit anytime you want and uh, you know thanks for all the skills you've given me in life to get me here i think that's a pretty strong analogy for australia going we're not this is not going to be we're not going to be looking in the rearview mirror going yeah yeah, you yeah it's going to be it's going to be look that this been great guys um you know and and there are so many aspects of our country that have clearly been shaped by initially European settlement and then post-war migration. You see it in our, our parliamentary systems, our legal systems, our universities, our health systems, all that. And they're, and they're all great. None of those get changed. Yeah, but but we're, prob- yeah. we're probably ready now to say we've we've got this from here.
0: <laughs> well, well, true. And there's also that um, the question of unity in Australia. So I believe... Uh, Personally, I believe our pride and collective feeling of belonging um, will happen when we become a republic. And of course, first having that formal recognition of this country's um, part of this country's very tragic history and the impact of colonialisation. Do you think that's possible? Do you think unity is possible when we become a republic?
1: Look, I think that's a really interesting issue because, and it's it's a. In some ways, this is, this is a challenging part of the thought process because there are some people who, you know, quite rightly, um, especially given their experience, feel, feel aggrieved about the stain of colonialism that they perceive is still hanging over Australia. And th- th- there are some people who just do not think that's relevant at all. And there are some people who, who, who would even say, look, some of the stuff that happened... 150 years ago was was awful and I wish it hadn't yeah. but I I refuse to be held accountable for something my great 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 grandfather's neighbor did so I think I think this has a tr- tremendous potential for people who do feel we have issues to address and 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 examine I think there's a a real chance for this process to give those people some balm some salve but it also has to be I I think it would be a mistake for us to present this as first and foremost, or only an issue of national reconciliation and truth telling, because that, by definition, locks a portion of the population out who just refuse, who, who who feel that that would be a judgment of their own personal moral culpabilities and and guilt and the way they should feel about things, and when they look deep inside themselves, they just don't feel that. That's a, right. that's a, that's an important, but it's a, a parallel or separate discussion. And if this promotes that discussion in the community, that's great. But if it does it in a divisive way, where if you vote no, uh, that means you are a racist who supports genocide and dot dot dot. We're not. Go- that's that's taking a portion of people who could well feel very positively about an Australian Republican saying, well, we don't want your vote. That would be a, a, a very uh, dangerous path, both intellectually and in sheer, you know, cephalogically uh, in terms of the number of votes you would burn if you if we chose to go down that path. I, I personally don't think that's the path to take.
0: Yeah, it would alienate, I, I think. I, I think it's the way that we frame it too.
1: And that, that the in way that way. I've heard um, Craig Foster, one of the co-chairs of the ARM, talk about it, that he sees Australia as having you know, sort of three historical periods, you know, mm-hmm. anything up to 65,000 years of Indigenous inhabitation that we're slowly, you know, getting out. We certainly know a bit more about now than we did 20 years ago, but we're still, you know, working our way through the, the richness and the complexities of that. Um, then clearly a period of European settlement that played a massive role in shaping modern day Australia. And your opinions can sit everywhere on the spectrum of that's the best thing that's ever happened to this country and imagine what it would have been like if the French had got here at first dot 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 all the way through to that was one of the most barbaric exercises in history and we have a debt and you know should be paying financial reparations or sit anywhere in between on that spectrum but it's clearly a defining phase in our history regardless of how you interpret that phase in our history I think it's ready for phase three now where we step forward Mm -hmm. as a mature confident independent nation and the extent to which that nation chooses to look back and and analyse what happened and and make appropriate apologies and and, and learn from experiences and things like that, that's that's up to us as a mature nation to do. But I think you can come on this journey with us regardless of where you sit on the spectrum of of opinions that you could have about the stain of colonialism in this country.
0: So looking ahead, when it comes to an Australian Republic, what do you think today's kids will be thinking about in the future?
1: When I, I, my daughters are 18 and 15, uh, Mm -hmm. and my stepkids are 15 and 13. Um, For them, this issue fits squarely in the I've never thought about it. But yeah, now that you mention it, it makes a lot of sense category. So the challenge for us in the short term future is to engage younger people and to get them to bring their passion on this subject because young people are great at a couple of things well young people are great at many things but that that are relevant for us is um you know think about when when you're in your teens and early 20s all the firsts you take on in your life and just how passionately you run at them i remember the first house that i moved out into and yeah looking back it wasn't a palace but uh at the time me and my mates thought it was and we were so excited and when we were you know when we i remember we we, we'd moved into this place it was in cleveland street just opposite the university of sydney on this road the trucks just used to fly up and down at night so noisy and polluted and i got asthma you know i i I came from a family of asthmatics and i'd always dodged it and i my asthma gene kicked in thanks to the small particle pollutants. And I can remember when we were, we were on that first night sitting there talking about everything around it. And it was great. And there's some restaurants and there's some pubs. And one of my flatmates even said, and there's a police station just up the road. So if there's any trouble, the police are right by. Right Now, I'm, I'm not a particularly big, you know, petty criminal myself, but most teenagers in early 20s, probably aren't excited to know that there's a police station just down yeah. the We were so excited about this house, right? So young, but the first time you do anything when you're a youngster, um, you just go at it with a passion and an excitement about mm. the novelty of the experience. So imagine for these, imagine for younger Australians, if the first time you ever vote or the first or second or third time you've ever cast a vote in it, you know, I cast a vote in a local council election, then I voted, In a state election and then bang i was determining our nation's future wow so if we get if we get young kids thinking how lucky to be part of history this early on in your in your in your civic engagement if we can if we can explain to kids how exciting that is i think numerically uh that's a that's a segment of the population who will be very very strongly on the side of of change and the move to a republic but we need to get that passion and we also then if you can inform kids on this sort of stuff and if they do gel with it I think youngsters will lead a lot of dinner party conversations with mums and dads and and and, uh, who who are a little bit indifferent to it or haven't thought about it much um I can remember my daughters in the you know when they first started to realize it was such a thing as politics and that sort of stuff and because I you know, still do a bit of work for the ABC. So publicly, politically, I play my cards very close to my chest. I don't think it's appropriate for me to rapturously endorse one side of politics and make it clear I'd always vote for those guys if that was the case or anything like that. Um, and my daughters have had no qualms in the last couple of federal and state elections saying to me, Dad, I can't vote yet, but um, if you, you know, if you really do, you know, if you're not locked into either side, can you do me a favour and vote for these guys because they promise this, this and that. Um, and mm-hmm. and so you know there's there's a, there's an there's an interest and an excitement in the process that younger people have that maybe people who've you know been around the block a few times might get a bit jaded and miss. So if we can tap into that, so in the in, in, you know that's a long answer to your question, but in the short term future, the passion of young people for this is something we have to encourage because it's not naturally instinctively front of mind as an issue, but it's a pretty easy sell for a lot of young people to to convince them that they could be part of. A really magic moment in Australia's history.
0: Thank you for joining us, Adam. It's been wonderful to hear all about your experience, your vision, your passion for the future. And to find out more about the Australian Republic movement listeners, you can visit the ARM website on republic.org.au. And thank you for being part of the conversation. Thanks, Adam. Thanks so much. Absolute
1: pleasure, Adelaide. Lovely to speak with you.